Good morning. I want to thank you for taking the next 10 or 15 minutes to listen to this video. I just wanted to share a couple thoughts from my heart about revival. This Saturday, March the 26th, we're looking forward to our Man Up Conference. And though it's not really part of our revival meetings, it's a great day that will prepare our hearts to be ready for our revival meetings on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. This Saturday at 9.30 a.m., the men will all meet in the gym for a time of coffee and fellowship. There'll be some food there as well, and we hope that you'll come to that. And then at 10 o'clock, we'll start services here in the auditorium and just follow the schedule throughout the day. There'll be pizza for lunch and lots of time to fellowship together. We're looking forward to a great day. Starting on Sunday, we'll have some revival services with evangelist Calvin Allen. We're looking forward to those as well. Our normal service times on Sunday and then Monday night and Tuesday night at 7 p.m. I would encourage you to invite some folks to come to those and let people know that we're having some great services at Bethel Baptist Church. You know, yesterday afternoon I was preparing for the evening service and reading my Bible and the Lord laid upon my heart a thought. And then that thought quickly turned into a message. And I just wanted to share that with you today. And you know, the Bible is always relevant, but I, I believe it would be more effective to preach preparing for revival before we actually have our revival services. So if you have a Bible this morning, turn to First Chronicles chapter 13, and I'll try not to preach the whole message. I'll just give you some of the bullet points and then give you the applications that the Lord gave me. And, and I hope that it's a help to you as you go about your week preparing your heart for what the Lord is about to do. You know, somebody said this, that we can't actually uh, plan for revival, but we can set our sails to catch the wind when God chooses to blow. And I think that's important to understand, that we can do a lot of things in preparation for revival, but unless God meets with us, all is for naught. And so let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 13 this morning. We'll, we'll look at a few verses there, and then we're going to look at 1 Chronicles 15 as well. Uh, there's been a lot of definitions of what revival is, and I think, uh, I think a lot of them are accurate. I don't believe that anybody has a, uh, 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 how do you say it, that they've, they've cornered the idea of what revival is. But uh, the truth is, when God's presence moves in, then we have revival. Any type of revival that takes place, whether it's God's people getting their hearts on fire again, or whether it's people getting saved they all have one thing in common, God's Holy Spirit, the presence of God in our midst. You know, historically speaking, if we look at the Word of God, God's presence was there in the garden with Adam and Eve, and part of their punishment was to be removed from that presence. You remember that God, when he brought the Israelites out of bondage, he promised that he would go before them. There was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to, leave them, to lead them. And you remember as they were about to go into the promised land, God said, I will not go in. They are a stiff-necked people. And Moses said, God, if you're not going, I don't want to go. The presence of God was of utmost importance to Moses. You remember that in that wilderness, the Israelites carried the ark. The Ark of the Covenant was a picture of the dwelling place of God, and when it was in the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle, the presence of God would come down into that place and meet with the great high priest. It was a very important thing. And so as we live our lives, we are seeking constantly God's presence until that day in Revelation 21, where the Bible says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Until then, we are constantly seeking God's presence. 
The wonderful truth of this is that in Ephesians, the Bible says the Spirit of God has sealed us under the day of redemption. We know that his presence is within us. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We also know that we can be filled with the Spirit by simply surrendering to him. But we've also learned and we also understand that the Holy Spirit can do a supernatural work in a church. He can do a supernatural work in a community or a nation when God chooses to blow his wind upon us. That is what we are seeking this week. And I would invite you and encourage you to pray with me and pray with us as we look forward to God's revival in this place. Look at First Chronicles chapter 13 and we'll just read a couple verses and then we'll pray. The Bible says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we do ask, Lord, that you would move in our midst this week. We look forward to Wednesday night prayer meeting and Master Club's programs and Thursday night teens, and uh, Lord, those things can become mundane and normal in our lives and, and just a routine that we go through. We pray, Lord, that it wouldn't, Lord, that we pray that we would come here genuinely to meet with you, to share God's word with these young people, to see the Holy Spirit of God move and work. And as we come to our Man Up conference and our revival meetings, we pray, Lord, that the the blessing of God would fall upon us, that the Spirit of God would move among us and revive our hearts and save sinners and just help us, Lord, to be sensitive to what you want to do in our lives. Lord, we ask for your power and your presence. So Lord, I pray you bless this few minutes in your word that you would encourage our hearts, but also challenge us to do more for thee. Well, thank you in Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, those first few verses, we see that David has a dream. And as David is dreaming, his dream is to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. He understood that in the days of Saul, as it says in verse 3, they never inquired at it, and that might explain why Saul's life ended the way it did. He had gone so long without inquiring at the ark of the Lord or what symbolized the presence of God and where God would come down and meet with them upon the mercy seat. It had been taken by the Philistines and no effort had been made to retrieve it. And now David in his heart decided, I I have this dream. I, I, I want to see God return to the people of Israel. And so he would bring it back to Jerusalem. We see in his dream that, first of all, he shared his dream. And I think that's important, that we share our burdens and we cast that vision before others. We see in verse 1, first of all, he shared it with his captains. And then he shared it in verse 2 with the congregation. David knew how important it was for the leadership to share his burden and share his vision. So revival starts in the heart of some, but eventually it has to be transferred to the hearts of many. You know, revival has been compared to a fire, and if we think about that, we understand that a a large fire can spark with just a small kindling or a small spark of fire. The Bible tells us about that in the book of Jude or in the book of James. So we need to have a heartfelt desire to see God move and to know his presence in our lives. You know, David could have commanded it, Nebuchadnezzar did. 
that people would worship his God, but David chose to share his dream with others. But in verse 3, he also shared his disappointment. He says, we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. David was a vital leader for Saul in those days. And I perhaps going into battle, I wonder if David wondered in his heart, yeah, you know, I've prayed about this and, and, and I've prayed with my men about this and we're prepared for battle, but Saul has not done much to prepare. He has not inquired at the ark. He has not gone to the priest. He's not asked the people to pray. And, you know, David knew the presence of God. The Bible says that the spirit of God left Saul and it rested upon David. So we know that David knew it. But it was important if that the nation was going to be see God's blessing, they needed more than just godly leadership. They needed God. And so David had a dream. We see, secondly, that David had a desire. David's desire is shown to us in verse 2. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good to you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. The desires of David surface in his instructions to the people. And though we don't have question marks that are there in that verse, I see two rhetorical questions. Number one, he desired the help of the people. He says, if it seemed good unto you. So he's addressing the people and he wants to know, is this a good idea? I was just talking with my staff a few minutes ago and my wife this morning that I'm tired of being on the news and hearing the polls of people. 90% of people say this, 35% of people say that. And I said, that matters nothing to me. They need to ask the right people. If it's a medical question, we need to ask doctors. If it's a political question, you ask politicians, but they're just asking the general public, what do you think? And David is asking the people, is this a good idea? Understand, I believe this is a rhetorical question. David already knows it's a good idea. But he's asking it rhetorically because how could people say no? He just wants to get the heartbeat and the pulse of the nation. Are they ready for God's presence to return? So he desired the help of the people, but he also desired the heart of the Lord. He says, if it seemed good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God. God always wants to dwell with his people. He has a desire for us to live clean and holy lives that he might be in our presence and he might impress his presence upon us. And so these are rhetorical questions gauging the pulse of their people. We might ask a similar question today. Do we really want revival? Do we really want revival? So David's desire was to return the ark. <coughs> and then we see David's display, verse 5. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt, even under the entering of Himath, to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. And David went up in all Israel to Bela, that is to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drave the card. Now listen to this. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. What a display. We see the pomp and the circumstance, the ceremony that accompanied the return of the Lord to Israel. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything too lavish for the Lord? 
David would later lament in his life that he dwelt in a palace, but the ark of God dwelt among timbers. And you'll remember David wanted to build a great temple for the Lord, and God wouldn't allow him to do it because he uh, was a man of war and there was blood upon his hands, and later Solomon would build a great temple. But David's heart was that God would receive glory. And sometimes we, we look at things and we say, well, this is good enough. Friends, it's not good enough when it's for the Lord. We ought to give our best. We ought to do our best. We ought to perform our best. Everything we give to the Lord ought to be our best. He asked for the first fruits, not the last. This display of worship and unfettered praise reflected David's understanding of who God was. But then we see in verse 9, David's dismay. And I'm just racing through what would have been a full message last night, but due to a power outage, we couldn't have church. Look at verse 9. And when they came under the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. That seems reasonable to me, and it seems reasonable to you. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place is called Perazah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but he carried his side to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. David's dismay we see in these last few verses of the chapter. This was a heart-wrenching time for David. Everything had been prepared. They had a new cart to carry this, this ark back in. Preparations were made. The people were excited. David had asked those rhetorical questions. Is this a good idea? Is it of the Lord? And of course, the answers to both of those questions are yes. And yet, God's presence did not come back to the people of Israel. So what happened? Chapter 14, we don't read anything of it. But in chapter 15, David has had some time to reflect. You know, I, I, I got reading this and got thinking about it and wondered, is this not what we are doing right now? Everybody is preparing music right now for our revival services. The ensemble's got some songs ready. Calvin Allen is coming. The preacher's on his way. We've had some prayer meetings, we have advertised, we've got emails going out, we're trying to encourage people to invite others to come, and, and I will be honest, we've just come through this pandemic, and we weren't sure what all the rules were going to be, so we've not advertised this in our community like we perhaps would have in the past, and this is about our church, it's about us being revived and being ready to serve our community as things have opened up now. So we've prepared in that sense, but David had taken some time to see what had gone wrong. Because the truth is, as much as we can have music ready and we can bring a preacher in and we can do all these things mechanically that say we're going to have a revival service and set apart special nights and ask people to come, we can do all those things and still not know God's presence. So what did David observe? Look at 1 Corinthians or 1 Chronicles, sorry, chapter 15. Verse 1 says this. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. I read that verse and I thought, well, didn't he do that back in chapter 13? 
Didn't he have a place ready? A tabernacle was assembled. Didn't he have something to put the ark in? And I look back in 1 Chronicles 13 and it wasn't there. David, in other words, had a plan to fetch the ark, but he was not prepared to receive the Lord. I think that's kind of what we do a lot of times. We have this plan all set up. We're going to have revival services. We are going to have a guest preacher. We're going to have some of the best music prepared and the choir is going to be fired up and, and our special music is going to be off the charts and we're just excited. We're going to bring in a quartet or we're going to bring in a special soloist and we are ready for revival and we're ready to bring the ark in, but we are not ready to receive the Lord. You see, the ark would dwell in this tabernacle that David would make for it. But today, the Bible says the temple of the Holy Spirit is us. Have we prepared our hearts to receive the Lord? Well, that takes some prayer. It takes some self-examination. I think we sometimes got it backwards where we think, well, we're going to come to revival and God's going to do a work. I want to suggest to you, we need to have a work done in our lives before revival. We need to be ready to receive the Lord. We need to be ready for the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in our lives. And when our hearts are more tender, he's able to work in a lot greater fashion. But notice the second thing that the Lord spoke to my heart about. Verse 2, then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Here's the second thing that God impressed upon my heart. They had the right motives but they lacked obedience. We read back in chapter 13 that Uzzah, who died by touching the ark, and Ahio were called to carry the ark, but they were Benjaminites. They were not Levites. The Bible doesn't say that in 1 Chronicles 13, but I looked up their history and found out, but both those men were Benjaminites. And David says, we have a problem here because none but the Levites should carry the ark. It had been a long time since the ark had gone anywhere. Saul had reigned for 40 years and they had not inquired at the ark and perhaps people had forgotten some things about the due order of God. But the Bible says uh, that David had somehow over this time of reflection come to understand that obedience is important. We can't just bring the ark of the covenant in any way we want. We have to obey God. Let me encourage you as we approach these services This is not a time to change things. This is not a time to say, well, these special services, they're not really church, they're revived. No, no, we are here to meet with God. And so we must be obedient to the Lord's workings in our lives. And if the Lord pricks our hearts, we must obey. We must listen to the Spirit of God. The Bible says in verse 3, And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto this place. Uh... which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites and the sons of Kohath. So he begins to list all the names of those families, the sons of the Levites, uh, that that would carry the ark back from the house of Obed-Edom. And verse 12 says, And said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I prepared for it. Now listen, for because ye did it not at the first. The Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. And that brings us to the third thought. Number three, they prepared the service, but they did not prepare their hearts. 
You'll remember that they had a great ceremony, pomp and circumstances, trumpets and horns and cornets blew, the Bible says, and they, they sang and they danced and they played and they enjoyed this great celebration of bringing the ark back. They were ready for what we would call a great church service. They prepared everything but their hearts. David called all the Levites and he said unto them, sanctify yourselves. Understanding that that took a ritual cleansing. Understand that that took some time. They would cleanse themselves. They would pray. They would plead with God. They would make sure their hearts were right. And he said, because in the first place, in verse 13, the Lord our God made a breach upon us because we did not seek him after the due order. He says, there's a process in, in knowing God's presence in our lives. And we did not seek him like we should have. The instruments and the music were ready, but the hearts of the people were not. I, I just wanted to give you a short encouragement this morning to make sure your heart is ready this week. I, I you know, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. When we invite folks in, you understand there's a cost. I, I don't want to be a, a poor steward of God's money. I don't want to do that. There's a cost. There's plane tickets involved. There's housing involved. There's meals involved. We try to give a good love offering to, to help the evangelist on his way. We want to make sure that he gets at least a week's salary plus his expenses because this is what he does to take care of his family. There's all those things to consider. But when I look at it, I don't look at it as a cost. If one person makes a good decision to serve the Lord, if one gets their heart revived, if one gets saved, it is no longer a cost, but it's an investment. And friend, in order for that investment to pay off, we desperately need to seek our hearts. We need to sanctify ourselves before our God. Oh, the services will be ready. Some of your favorite songs will be sung as a matter of fact, we love pulling out for revival meetings those favorite songs, Our Great Savior and And Can It Be, and all those things that stir our hearts. But if our hearts are not ready, if it's not fertile soil for the seed of God's word, if it's not a place that the Spirit of God can work, then it becomes a cost and not an investment. We want to invest in our church and invest in our future, and the best way we can do that is investing in the spiritual life of our people but you must be ready. Could I encourage you to be ready this week? Spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time when you read the scripture, understand it's pointing directly at your heart, nobody else's. Come to prayer meeting this Wednesday. I know many of you are busy in master clubs and, and, and serving in other ministries of the church, but there's many of you that'll be at home and you could come and you could be a part of our prayer service and it's important that we do that. Come to man up. Fellas, it'll be good for you to hear a day of preaching before revival. God may do something in your heart that day that will help you be prepared for the time of revival that is to follow. That's my encouragement for today, and I, I don't believe that I have anything important to say, but I believe that God does. We see from the life of David as he took some time to examine, why couldn't I get God's presence back into the camp? Why couldn't I bring him back to Jerusalem? I think he understood there was three vital failures. We've prepared everything but our hearts. We're not being obedient to what the Lord wants right now. We failed because we weren't listening.
Oh, would you listen to the Spirit of God this week? Would you allow him to work? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord. I always look forward to these special meetings. But Lord, I pray that we would become a church that these meetings are no special or different than any other service we have. I think, Lord, it's important that we always come seeking your face. That we're always ready to have you work in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we'd be a people of constant surrender, constant sanctification, and constant searching of you. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.